Can you hear that? That's my son's sleep turtle. It's this little turtle that has ocean sounds and a lullaby and lights in it that will go on the ceiling, but the lights have burnt out and don't work and the ocean sounds don't work. Just the lullaby. He uses it to fall asleep, but he also thinks everyone loves it. So sometimes early in the morning, like now, what is it, 6.15, he goes into the living room to play and he puts it on because he thinks it will help us stay asleep. But of course I hear it and I'm wide awake. (sighs) On one hand, it's cute. I know it's cute. But on the other hand, I want to smash that turtle. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It used to be chill, it's all up in smoke, I think I'm still fun, parenting's a joke, I was cool, oh yeah, now it's hard to be cool, oh yeah. Hello listeners, it's me Ophira Eisenberg, welcome back, this is Parenting is a Joke, where I bring together stand-up comics and creative people to talk about their lives, their careers, and what it's like to have a kid or two thrown into the mix. Basically, how the fuck they do it. And how the fuck they do it during the holidays. That's right, everybody. The holidays. And today I'll be talking to Bobcat Goldthwaite about moving to Illinois and bringing his daughter on the road back in the 90s, plus his criminal record as a convicted arsonist. We're coloring Tasha and I, and she's probably like seven. And the news comes on, it goes, comedian goes berserk on the Arsenio Hall show. And they're showing footage of me smashing up the Arsenio Hall show. And Tasha goes, ugh. I go, what's wrong? And she goes, sometimes you act like you don't have a brain in your head. <laughs> What's going on with you? I'll tell you what's happening in my life exactly as I speak. My husband is currently trying to repair our dishwasher using a series of YouTube videos and parts ordered from Amazon. 
What I'm saying is, soon we'll be buying a new dishwasher. Perfect timing, because guess what? It's almost the holidays. That's right. We couldn't stop it, my friends. We tried, but the holidays are here. You probably know that because you are like me and your inbox is overflowing with holiday deals and offers from every retail establishment you have ever bought a bath mat from. I swear to God, it is easier to get a divorce than get off the crate and barrel email list. They will be sending me last chance offers until the day I die. And on that day, it will be my last chance to buy a festive throw. I don't know what you do at your house. I am Jewish, so we celebrate both. (laughs) But seriously, we celebrate Hanukkah, but I wanted my kid to have a tree and stockings and some Christmas, honestly, because I wanted that as a kid. Okay, so we light candles, we do the prayers, we eat latkes, we exchange small presents on Hanukkah, and then we get a tree. We hang stockings and we do more presents. (laughs) It's a little ridiculous, but I do try to steer clear of all the Santa stuff, but man, it is so ubiquitous in kids' lives. I can't get around it. My son came home just the other day and told me that this kid Declan in his class was bugging him and told him that he put my son's name on Santa's naughty list, so now he'll get no presents. And I just shot back, you know what? Declan doesn't have the power to do that, okay? So I guess I am now just perpetuating the Santa myth, and I am adding to it executive levels of how it all works. But seriously, who told Declan that he's in charge and Santa's spy? He's a Christmas narc. Speaking of narcs, you know who is the creepiest Christmas character of all time? Elf on the Shelf. Elf on the Shelf is a step too far for this secular Jew. And it's a new thing, I mean, relatively, 2005. And from what I understand, this is a creepy doll who watches your kid and then reports back to Santa, kind of like Declan. Is this just getting your kid ready for a life of surveillance? And in case you wanted to scare the shit out of those sugar plums that are dancing in your head, the song for said elf on the shelf is the most nightmarish thing I have ever heard. What a jingle. You know, I'm all for creating magical and joyful memories for children, but this elf is pathological. The Elf on the Shelf, creating family moments that last a lifetime. Will I take my son to see Santa? Ugh, probably. I mean, the whole thing for me is really because when I was a kid, I really wanted to see Santa. We would go to the mall every weekend, and starting in December, of course, there's Santa's castle in the middle of the mall. So pretty. There's little reindeers spinning around, and this house with cotton batten snow and sparkles all through it, and everyone's so excited. And I would ask my mom if I could go see Santa, and she would say, no. (laughs) And I would ask her why, and she'd say, because we're Jewish. And sometimes I just got so angry, and I would say, well, who brings us presents? And my mother would make stuff up. She'd be like, uh, Moses. Yeah, that's right. Moses comes down the mountain every Hanukkah with a sack of dreidels. And even as a kid, I was like, uh, it's not good enough. 
So I asked her every single time we went to the mall. And then one day, I think I just freaked out. I had a total meltdown and screamed and cried that I wanted to go see Santa and that it was no fair. And she just said, fine, go see Santa. And I got in the line with all the other kids, uh, but I was scared because now I was an undercover Christian, you know, and I didn't want to fuck it up. And I didn't even know how it worked, but I thought, you just go in there and you say what you want. And I wanted a Barbie dream house. So I was just rehearsing in my head, I would like a Barbie dream house. And then a little gloved white hand of an elf beckoned me into the castle. It was my turn. And there was Santa. Oh, my God. And he looked at me. And I just looked up at him and went, I'm Jewish. Like I fell apart. Totally went off script. And he looked at me and said, that's okay. So am I. Shh. I could not handle shh. I wanted to tell the world. And I just started yelling louder and louder, Santa's Jewish, Santa's Jewish, Santa's Jewish, and chaos. Kids started crying. These mean elves came out of nowhere and pushed me out of the castle. I heard one in a walkie-talkie going, code red, Jew in a lap, code red, Jew in a lap. And then I ran out, and my mom's there. And she looked at me and goes, what's going on? And I said, Mom, I just found out the most amazing thing. Santa is Jewish. And my mother, without skipping a beat, said, well, of course he is. Who else do you think works on Christmas? Happy holidays, everyone. Next up, he's an actor, director, and truly a comedy legend. Live in studio with me, I'll be talking with Bobcat Goldthwaite right after the break. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This is 
exciting on so many levels because not often do I get to do in-studio interviews with a live person. Yeah, like, this will be where we got our COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're not zero. even microdosing it anymore. Nope. This is full dosing. Yeah. Comedian, director, writer, actor, welcome, Bobcat Goldthwait, everybody. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you left a ballroom dancer. No, you know what? what? Are you a ballroom dancer? No, I am not. But I had a friend with a straight face telling me that I should go on uh, with the Mystery Singer show. What is that show? <laughs> The Masked Singer? Masked Singer, yeah. <laughs> Eric Idle is my buddy, and I was shocked that he did it because, like, you can't get him to go to dinner. <laughs> so I can't imagine how they put him in <laughs> some kind of— But would he go for dinner with a mask on? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, just <laughs> as, a, as a walkabout. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was fun. He only had to be on one episode. So he was probably just, I guess, like, if I did, like, my 80s voice, right? Then I'd only have to do one. That'd be great, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they'd be like, we know, we know. (laughs) I've always said no to most things. But you don't don't get... No, that is the. I always say yes to everything. You well, say no to most things. Yeah, but like I, I sold out as a young man. Sure. Like okay. when you start at Police Academy in a talking <laughs> horse movie, you know what I mean. You, so no one, no one cuts you any slack for turning down uh, Celebrity Cadabra, or uh, <laughs> which is, it's not what you think. It's a show where celebrities do magic. No. <laughs> Celebrity Cadabra, uh, Celebrity uh, Wife Swap. Sure, I turned sure. that down. Celebrity Fear Factor. They use the term celebrity really loosely. They lo- <laughs> but, <laughs> right. But right. I think I even got Circus of the Stars. I should have done that. I would have done that if that was live, you know, and like wait until I was suspended high up in the air and then like have like a bag of pudding <laughs> in my pants and then, just, <laughs> and then just open it. Just crap yourself gotch, on live gotch. TV. You're yeah. off. You're off. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember growing up, I used to love the um, Battle of the Stars. There was like a Letterman or a Steve Martin joke about saying that they should fight. <laughs> the Battle of the Stars should be done with, with real guns. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with actual it should be weapons. Like, no, actually, only oh, one team wins. We lost a lot of the cast of Eight is Enough in that battle. <laughs> I was a conscientious objector for the Battle of the Stars. <laughs> Ethically, I can't partake. That's why I wasn't in the Kiss Army, too. <laughs> the Kiss Army? Yeah, oh, yeah. I said, I'm not signing up. No. No. I oh. was a draft dodger in the Kiss Army because I liked <laughs> punk rock when I was a kid. I was like, Kiss sucks. I like punk. And that meant I liked Blondie. Right, <laughs> that, right. That was exactly. like punk rock. Now, I have you in person, but you don't live in Los Angeles anymore. No, I live in, uh, I live outside of Chicago. I live in a small town called Winfield. It's about 4,000 people. It takes me about an hour to get into the city. When did you move? Uh, during COVID, my girlfriend and I, we moved and her family lives there. We live in the woods, you know. I was going to say, it's like such a small place. You must Yeah, my girlfriend rural. was just like FaceTiming this fox walking around the backyard. There's this dumb comes through with her two fawns and it's just and I chop wood all the time. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is your life now? Yeah, but people give Tom Kenny, like I'm on a group text, he goes, You guys shouldn't be encouraging Bobcat ha- to have a chainsaw. It's not funny. Like he's really upset. Like he knows me better than anyone. He's like, so yeah, I've got a right. chainsaw, multiple axes. Like I'll be on a Zoom meeting about yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm just trying to wrap up because I got a new axe. You gotta try it. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get out there. You have an axe to grind. That's I have amazing. Three axes to grind. <laughs> and I actually grind my axes. I have a sharpener. My daughter's like, Dad, you know, you used to talk about 
cinema and movies and ideas for films that you want to make. And now you talk about the groundhog you saw. <laughs> You're like, that's it's, called evolution, it's really my true. friend. It's really true. Okay, so uh, you just mentioned your daughter. How old are you? I have you? a daughter who's 35. 35. She's a costume designer. I have a stepson, too. He's a disappointment. He got into banking. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no. That's, that's an artist's no. dream. Yeah. A, yeah. Uh, no, he, he's, he's a great guy. But uh, my daughter uh, works on a lot of TV shows. Uh, she just finished the season of um, the Bridget Everett show. Yeah. She wasn't the original costume designer. She did this season, Joe Parra's show. She just finished a movie that uh, up in Canada that... Uh, Margot Robbie was producing. And, oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So she and, works all the time. And what's her name? Her name's Tasha. Even though she's 35, she's, she's got the Gen Z look down pretty good. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and, and that's what, and that's, there's articles written about her style and stuff. It's really cool. Uh, how would you describe this Gen Z look? Uh, how do I describe it? I don't know. It's, it's. Like it's, Normcore where it's. I don't know what you would describe it as. Uh, it, you know, her, it's like an oversized uh, fluorescent shirt that says butthole. <laughs> Yeah, right. and, and yeah. a little tiny font, you know, yeah. and, you know, tiny, tiny, yeah, yeah. unreadable it's awesome. font. It's awesome. So yeah, so that's <laughs> she's really talented. We did a series together uh, called uh, Bobcat Goldthwait's Misfits and Monsters. It was great working with her because she would say stuff like, you know, if someone would ask her a question, she'd go, "Oh yeah, but this this episode, the colors are kind of." kind of fall you know they kind of look like uh radio days or something and and it'd be yeah that's exactly what i was going like like i hadn't told her that and people go well you got the inside track and it's like no it's just we we kind of think alike you just you it's it's like literally the apple does not fall from the tree to take a uh yeah like we and it's funny like we're constantly sending each other ideas and we're constantly sending each other like I'll I'll just see a, a period piece you know something and we'll back and forth we send each other stuff so I mean it's you know most of the people I've been talking to have really young kids so it's kind of interesting to think and I have a young kid so it's it's just interesting to think about this uh, you know a fully formed human Adult. as a friend almost right yeah but I, the only reason her and I are friends is because I did not I was not the parent trying to be a friend when she was growing up. You know, oh, okay. she grew up in Los Angeles, and there's all these parents that wanted to be the cool parent. And it's like mm-hmm. I knew my job was to be a parent, even if we did have, you know, a very. Uh, we we are very close, you know. Like I, when she was a kid, and she's like saying. You know, it was like 15. I go, look, this is the part where I'm an idiot and everything I say is wrong. And it's you you need to go through this phase because you're learning how to become your own person. So I'm, you know, it's okay, you know. And she goes, you can't give me permission to rebel. Stop trying to mind fuck me. What are you doing? And I go, it's like I'm just trying to be understanding. Can't win. Yeah, you can't. But you know, you know what I did to her once was she's never made me feel bad. But one day uh, when she was a kid, like I can't remember how old, thirteen or I don't. I'd taken her friends. It was her birthday to go. Uh, have a sleepover at Disneyland, you know, at the hotel, and Ooh. and and so I go, hey girls, uh, I have a copy of Moulin Rouge, you know, if you want to watch it, you know, which I actually like that movie, and and she gave me this eye roll, like I was the biggest nerd, oh. like you know, get out of here, you know, so but, embarrassed. But at the same time, all of her friends is in her, they're wearing those. Those those really low Frankie B jeans. Oh yeah, and so they'd have their 
their muffin tops are hanging over and the and they're all they're walking in front of me all sassy and so I took a picture of them with all their Frankie bees and I played the long game and and it was just like a year ago I go hey do you remember when I uh asked if you guys wanted to see Moulin Rouge. She's like, no, I don't. Well, you made me feel pretty bad. And I go, this is what you guys thought would, looked good. <laughs> you you were sitting on a joke for about 20 yeah, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was a long game. It was definitely like... Gonna... I, that's a lot of insight into the comedic mind. That's... Bob, uh, yeah. Or, or uh, yeah, or don't cross me, you know. Uh, so uh, good. I'm just sitting and waiting. How many iPhones later was that? Oh, no, it was... Uh, it was <laughs> It was, a, it was a physical... I know, I was going to say that. It yeah, it's a, a physical picture. photo, yeah. Uh, so, Wacy, what point in your career did you have a baby? Yeah, I, I was really young, like, my for Los Angeles. Yeah. So, Tasha was born, I was probably 24. So, oh, that's pretty young. Yeah. For someone in, in showbiz. And when I go back home, you know, there's sure. plenty of kids you know uh, but yeah i was really young and i'd be this dad at the school and there would be guys who were actually in their 70s having kids you know <laughs> there really was uh and they're talking about world war ii and stuff and i'm <laughs> and uh, again i'm all i could relate to is being not in the kiss army <laughs> and but also you're doing stand-up at the time oh i did stand up you know I was always doing stand-up, and then I would direct stuff. It's funny when I think about her in school. Like, I worked on this show that was very kind of uh, sexist, so I used to think it was funny to wear, like, uh, skirts and Angora sweaters and stuff when it was on tape night because they'd go, and welcome Bob can't go to it, and the audience would be like Marines, and I'd come <laughs> out in a skirt. So one morning I was waking Tasha up to take her to school, and she goes, Dad, that brown sweater. I go, what? She goes, it would go so well with your brown skirt. I go, you know what? You're right. You know, so oh so it's not weird that she became a, 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 a designer. Oh, no. Uh, her mother and I weren't together. So she always had not just like a bag for sleepovers. She'd have four bags with changes with and costumes and all of it. Always bags and bags. And it's funny because that's part of her job now is all these bags and bags of, right. of possible ideas. Changes. So I'm just trying to think, like, what was your relationship <laughs> like having a little kid at home when you are working in entertainment, touring, I well, imagine? But right? I wasn't like, I, you know, at this point in my life, I wasn't like, uh, you know, I, I got sober when I was 19, you know. Oh, so, so it wasn't like going out on the road. I was this guy partying, doing drugs and sure. I did not have any girlfriends or anything growing up. Okay. You know, you know, but, and I think part of it, well, this will be my defense, but I think part of it was um, getting into stand-up at such a young age. You know, I started doing stand-up when I was like 14, 15. I got on Letterman when I was 20. So so I think I was very arrested when it came to relationships. You know, like, like how can you meet a woman or have a girlfriend when all you do is talk about stand-up comedy? Comics are just like, and, and men in general, but comics is like, you know you could meet women if you stop talking. <laughs> you know, you, you know if you listen. I have said to so many of my girlfriends over the years that were looking for a boyfriend or a long-term relationship with a man. So I'm talking very heteronormative here. I was like, never write on whatever th- thing you're doing. Sense of humor, never. You no. do not want that. No, you do not want that. And also, when people write that, they don't 
They don't have it. They don't have it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like if you wrote, it's like, what am I looking for? Uh, a jerk. And then you go, oh, that person's got a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You it's know, like, well, they, this person might work yeah, out. Yeah, prove that you have it. Yeah. So when you were touring with Nirvana, which, by the yeah. way, I find that just so fascinating on so many levels, especially first question, you were touring with Nirvana? That's all I have to say. So that has a question mark at the end. Second, how does a comic approach that? Well, I think like comedians, like our first goal is we want to you know, we want to do well. At that point in my career, I was not interested in doing well. I just kind of like inciting people was actually more fun. This is like when I'm setting the Tonight Show on fire and I'm yeah. smashing things. So you're a convicted arsonist. I am a convicted arsonist. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's like at that point it was kind of like, oh, this is the last place you should do comedy. Yeah, I'm in. Which is funny uh-huh. because here's the thing that I, I look back in hindsight and it was like. David Bowie wanted to do like a like a Martin and Lewis act, you know, where, you know, I'm trying to sing for these nice people and you keep interrupting them, you know, so and I would be the spaz that was interfering with him singing. It would have been pretty funny. We were going to call it Dim and Handsome. And um, (laughs) and and that's great. But he he starts booking gigs. He says we're going to do it in small places. He started looking in the 2000 seat theaters. Oh, small for Bowie? Because it's small. Oh my. At the time, I actually went, and I was like, no, man, we've got to book my gigs, and then you show up, because everybody's going to be happy that you show up. When I show up during your show, they're going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but now in hindsight, like after I went out with Nirvana and I, you know, about every third show would go, okay, like people would like it. Okay. But I would just instigate and I was horrible to, to the audiences and stuff. But obviously you loved that. You got something out of it. I don't know if I loved it, but I just would think it was funny. You, you think know, it was funny. Like huh? when they had to get me out of the venue with a towel over my head. <laughs> Which did happen. Because they, people were Because gonna... of stuff I said, yeah. There was like, there's two lines. One's to meet the band and one's to beat the fuck out of you. And that <laughs> line, to beat the fuck out of you, is bigger than the one to meet the band. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And so to get me out. I'm just going to say, wild about the David Bowie thing, too, that that was even truly a discussion. There was this tape of me doing this concert, early concert, even before I had HBO specials, where I'm in this leisure suit and I've got all this eyeliner and mascara running down my face and I'm just barely audible. And and that cassette of that had made all these uh, tour buses. So so I would randomly hear from these people like, uh, and he, you know, he called up drunk about 4.30 in the morning. My brother goes, some asshole called. And he said he was David Bowie. And then the next morning, he called very sober. He's like, oh, this is David Bowie. He's like, <laughs> I'm apologizing. But yeah, so I digress. So we were talking about the kind of act that you were doing, like you loved sure. going on stage and inciting people. Right. You were a convicted arsonist. Yeah, you repelled would... in nude from the roof of the Oakland yeah, Coliseum. smashing... So televisions. Right, yeah, yeah, things like that. And then you go home and you tell your <laughs> small child that they should respect public property? I, 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 you know, I, I would tell my kids that it was important to be kind, but, okay. but, but, but the rest of the stuff, you know, it's funny. You should talk to her. She has funny memories like that. It'll be like, you know, when she's talking to telling stories about, you know, me lighting a quarter stick of dynamite in the backyard, you know, and, <laughs> Just as a dry run? Was yeah, that just a dry yeah. run? A lot of this stuff was dry runs. Like, like I went to the Salvation Army and bought a TV and we got a sledgehammer and we smashed it in the backyard. And... That sounds like the most fun. That well, is like the most fun childhood I could imagine having. I guess, but I think it kind of, you know, like, like so 
Eric Idle, like I was saying, he's very close. Tanya Idle and Lily, their their daughter, they're very close to us. You know, Eric and Tasha, my daughter, are thick as thieves. Like he said, he was like, I'm her godfather. And I'm going, well, we're, you know, you know, because uh, I'm an atheist, you can't do that. And he goes, well, I'm her dog father. So, so he decided that he was her godfather. And they are really close. But um, one day I'm sitting there and we're coloring, Tasha and I, and she's probably like seven. And the news comes on. It goes, comedian goes berserk on the Arsenio Hall show. And they're showing footage of me smashing up the Arsenio Hall show. And Tasha goes, ugh. I go, what's wrong? And she goes, sometimes you act like you don't have a brain in your head. (laughs) And I go, it's just comedy. And she goes, Lily's dad's not on the news. (laughs) It's not comedy. <laughs> like I just imagine Eric Idle smashing up a set. Right. She knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, Very she would be cognizant. like, ugh. But then she kind of liked it. You know, it's funny when uh, just her growing up, think of like I had a big cowboy hat and a cigar and a convertible right. 1970 Cutlass, skin seat covers, and... And that's how she went to school. I remember one day, I'm so in the cowboy hat, I got a sweater on and the skirt, and uh, Andy Garcia looks over at me and he goes, uh, what are you filming? And I was like, nothing. Like, like he thought I was in costume. That you were on your I, way to set? I came to a set. <laughs> it was a squint to pick up. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. So, you know, you're talking about your your daughter as a kid being right. embarrassed that her um, her father is on television for... Smashing up things. Smashing up things. You go, Tasha, who's your favorite comedian? She'd go, Jim Carrey. 
<laughs> like, is Jim Carrey paying for that private school? No. Then when she was in college, uh, her big crush and her big favorite comedian was Eugene Merman. Isn't that funny? There you go. So she's got good taste. I yeah. mean, but when she was real little, I tried to expose her to comedy that she wasn't ready for, and it didn't work. Like I showed her Annie Kaufman, and she just oh, yeah. felt bad for him. It was like this guy, this poor guy. She didn't. She didn't think he was funny. She, right. The next. She layer thought it was it. kind of pathetic. Yeah. And when did she start coming to your shows, or did she come to your shows? Well, she would be at my shows a lot just because I took her on the road a lot, especially in the summer. At what age were you taking her on tour with you? Uh, probably started about nine. Nine. It was definitely like Paper Moon, you know, her and I traveling around. Oh, wow. And, and, then, and then when I was working on stuff, she she would be on the set. And then it was only natural that we work together now. I mean, I don't think it's any different, you know. It's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think some people are a little jealous when they see our relationship. Uh, but again, I think it's because I never tried to be the popular dad. Uh, I just, when she was little, I would try to be the dad, even if I was, you know, known for smashing up television shows and getting arrested. But as a young kid, were you worried about sort of exposing her, not so much to the comedy on stage, because that is one thing, you know, it could be like adult subject matter and what have you, but just the, you know, nightlife, people being drunk. Right, but she wasn't, you know, you know, she was always with me and I'm not drinking and stuff. So, you know, that's what I think about. Like, yeah. like I grew up in a household where where my parents got drunk every night and that was scary and weird, mm-hmm. you know, and she grew up where I'm whatever I'm doing on stage. I'm, I'm pretty reliable. And right. I'm there, you know, like she could count on you. Yeah. To be the authority. And always there. You know, that's the thing. You know, I, I, I guess like at the end of the day, like, you know, you're going to screw up. At, 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 you're going to screw up. Uh, there's no way you're not when you have kids. There's no way. But your time, if you give them your time and you listen and trying not to control everything, let them find out what works for them. It'd be funny. You know, my daughter she knew from from pressure that was put on her at school what language you use where you know i never mm-hmm. had to tell her that you know Smart. she was yeah and and so you got to let kids make mistakes but at the same time um just try to listen and and be around you know so for me being around meant that she would be on the sets when i was working all the time yeah i never walked into a comedy club until i was oh she would be doing homework in the back of a comedy in a dressing room or she would be doing uh or on a set of a tv on a sitcom yeah she'd have her books and she'd be doing homework yeah did she ever want to try it? There was a thing where they asked her to go in for an audition, and I was going in for an audition, too, for the same thing. And then she booked it, and I didn't. So she, <laughs> learned, she learned that I was really bad at cold readings. But uh, after that, she said, I think there was one other thing, and then she said, I don't want to act. And I was like, oh, my God, I, I raised it. She's good. Yay. You know, I was so happy right. that she was healthy you know that she wasn't trying to fill a hole with look at me you know yeah yeah you know this is part of my act but it is a true story i'll tell this to so so taylor that's my stepson and tasha we were in hawaii we took a vacation and we're scuba diving and the instructor underwater is giving a sign language so he does with his fingers he does this thing looks like a turtle and he points and then okay 
And then we all swam over. There's a group of us, and we all swam over. And we got to swim to with look a, at the turtles, and we yeah. got to swim with the turtles. It was really cool. Oh, then he goes, does this other sign language, and he points, and there's a giant school of fish, and we, and we all, as a group, we go swim over to the fish, and we were inside this. It looked like a whirlpool of fish. It was really cool. And then he goes like this, and that's the universal sign for shark. shark. Yeah. So which is so, a hand to the forehead. Yeah, yeah, so like know. like a fin. And so <laughs> I swim over the shark, and it was a tiger shark. It was like 13 feet, 14 feet long, and it turns and looks at me and then I turn and then that's when I look back and everyone else is about 400 feet behind me <laughs> and and I'm the only one that and so I, I swam away <laughs> like, and, Whoa, wait a second. yeah yeah and I, I kept my eyes on it and I was just it looked ridiculous how I swam away and then we get out of the water and and the instructor goes why would you swim towards the shark and my daughter goes my dad's been swimming towards the shark his whole life <laughs> So that's a hundred percent true story, and and uh, that's our relationship. That is what I call a closer, my friend. Oh well, that is what I call a closer. Um, but I have to. I just have to tell you one. It's. I would. From. I was gonna say it's a guilty thing, but I love it. So, so I guess probably since it came out, my favorite holiday oh. thing to do is watch Scrooge. It's my favorite and holiday I, movie. Even when I was making that movie, I was like, it's just so nice to be in a movie that'll be on every year, you know? And it, it, oh, yeah. So I, I, I felt that. But because that's everybody else's Christmas movie, you know, <laughs> our Christmas movie became uh, Dead Again or Brain Dead. Okay. The, the Peter Jackson yeah. zombie film. It's right. one of the goriest films ever. And someone gave me a copy of that for Christmas. So every year... Uh, That's what we you sit watch. around and we watch. If we get really nostalgic, we watch that. <laughs> That's everything I need to know. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, and thanks. I know that you just recorded a new stand-up album. Yeah, we don't know what it's going to be called. It, it's maybe called uh, "Swimming Towards the Shark," but uh, or uh, "Soldier of Christ." <laughs> We're kind of going back Soldier and forth. Soldier of Christ—that is the sequel to Scrooge. Yeah, Soldier, <laughs> Soldier for Christ. Yeah. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much, Bob. Thanks Kent. for having me on. As you can imagine, we really wanted to talk with Bobcat's daughter, Tasha, who is now a super talented costume designer, about how she remembers her childhood and her dad growing up. And guess what? She agreed. He had this amazing, amazing 1970s cutlass, like uh, convertible. You know, we did the leopard seat covers and stuff. And there was this button and he was like, if you switch that, if you push that switch, the car goes faster. It goes with like turbo mode. And I was like, so cool. So since I was like in junior high, he would be like, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, and I'd do it. And then he overheard me telling this story, like, honestly, like maybe just like 10 years ago, like I was 25. And he was like, Tosh, that was an old broken air conditioning button. I just drove faster. There, we also once had a game when he used to hit a TV show and I we were so close. So I would always go to work with him and stuff and there was this game called apple sock where you put an apple in a sock and then you throw it really hard against the door until it's not hard anymore and it would just be like a juicy sock and we just yell apple sock that was a good game <laughs> i definitely to this day don't get when people are like with their family and they're like let's play a board game i'm like are you boring like i've literally never like have no memory of playing just like a game you buy with my parents that just wasn't, my dad and I would always come up with things. And we still do.
Look forward to Bobcat Goldthwait's new stand-up album from Pretty Good Friends Records soon. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Parenting is a Joke, or on Twitter, there's a few people left, at Parenting Joke. If you're in New York, you can see me live at Gotham Comedy Club on December 14th and on the 16th. There's always more shows, so check out my website, OphiraEisenberg.com. You can find me on the socials at Ophira E. Check out my comedy special with tons of parenting jokes. It streams for free on YouTube, and it's called Plant-Based Jokes. And check out Pretty Good Friend's new holiday song, How Do You Lie to Your Child About Santa. You can get it wherever you get your music. I find it very stressful How do you tell your four-year-old About the sly of a man while you teach her she can't Believe all that she's told I find it quite insulting How do you tell an innocent child About rights and wrongs and doodles and dumbs Will you lie about elves all the while? Our episode is produced by me and Julie Smith-Clem. Our editor is Nina Porzuki. Our sound designer is Tina Toby Mack. Our contributing writer is Lucy Huber. Our production assistant is Abigail Shepard. Our theme song and music is by Adira Amram and The Experience. And special thanks to all of the engineers at CityVox. We'll leave you with a outtake from my conversation with Bobcat Goldthwait about what it was like to film the holiday classic Scrooged with Bill Murray. I remember when we were making that movie, Richard Donner directed it, and he was really great. But I remember uh, at one point, Bill Murray it throws me into the elevator. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think that was in the script. So he, because <laughs> they had to go around and get coverage of it, right? We had, so, okay. so he throws me in the elevator, and then. I, I smacked my head and and I got knocked out and I was out for a couple seconds. But when you, when you come to, you don't know if you're out for how long, right? right? And I wake up and I go, I gotta tell him I'm okay. And I wake up and I look and I just see everyone with their backs walking away from me. They're going, "That was it, Bill. You really got it. That's that's the keeper." And I'm like, "I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. Got it. <laughs> got it." <laughs>